This is Music Ed Amplified. Hello and welcome back, Music Ed Phenoms. This is the Music Ed Amplified podcast, a place for everyday music teachers like us, where we can talk about that music teacher life in all its glory, and where I also share with you the work I'm doing to become an anti-racist teacher and human being. You also have the questionable benefit of hearing me constantly keeping it real, including this funny little tidbit I thought you'd enjoy. I think many of you would agree that virtual teaching has its cons, and there might be a pro or two in the mix as well. I'll admit that teaching from home, which my district is currently doing for the next few weeks, has rendered me even less concerned about what I wear, and that's saying something, since I've never been much of a fashionista. I've never been unprofessional in my look, but I've also never been an all-out kind of gal when it comes to going to school. You can imagine, then, that it's only gotten worse now that I'm parked in front of a screen most of the day. So recently, when a fourth grader unmuted and blurted out, Wow, Dr. Strong, you're having a bad hair day. Is everything okay, brah? I couldn't stop laughing for about a minute straight. Because, folks, he was not wrong. Talk about keeping it real. No one does that better than students. And I think elementary students are particularly good. Today on the show, I am 100% thrilled to share the recent interview I did with Franklin Willis. Franklin has educated, mentored, and developed elementary and middle school students through the power of music for over a decade. He specializes in providing musical instruction through authentic, culturally relevant teaching experiences to empower and engage all students to achieve success. Franklin is a graduate of the University of Memphis with a Bachelor of Music Ed and also holds a Master of Education degree in nonprofit leadership from Belmont University. Most recently, he completed the Education Specialist degree with an emphasis in instructional leadership from Tennessee Technological University. He is a three-time recipient of the CMA Foundation Music Teacher of Excellence Award. Franklin currently serves as the elementary music instructional coach for the Metro Nashville Public Schools District, providing music teachers with instructional support and resources necessary to enhance their classrooms. He believes that music education is a vital tool to teach students about other cultures, create community, and a love for learning. Through his work, Franklin has developed a passion that the cultivation of musicianship begins at a young age and that every child has musical potential. Every student is a champion and deserves a music teacher who will see the best in them. Before we dive into the interview with Franklin, I have an exciting announcement. Franklin and F-flat Books are giving away a free digital copy of his new book, Edward's Rhythm Sticks, to one of you. Listen for the secret code during the interview. And here's the hint. It's the title I suggested to Franklin for his new book. Memorize it, and I'll tell you at the end of the episode how you might be the lucky recipient. It wasn't just an education to talk with Franklin. It was really, truly fun and informative. So why don't we get right to it? So Franklin Willis, what a pleasure it is to um, have you here on the show. I want to thank you. Thank you for sharing your time and your experience and expertise and insight. As I've said to you a couple times, I'm very excited to chat with you after following you on social media and hearing so many great things. So thanks for being here. 
Thank you for having me, Missy. You're welcome. First off, me personally, I'm a fake Southerner. I'm uh, born and raised in Miami and uh, Southern Florida. That's not really the South. That's just like a little thing we stuck on the bottom of the country. So <laughs> you are the real deal. Tennessee, am I right? Yeah. Tennessee. Yeah. Central time, which I have a real problem with. I yeah. have to literally look at an app on my phone and talk to myself like, it's 8 o'clock here. It's 7 o'clock there. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, one thing I'm trying to do this season with every person that comes on is ask them these questions. It's a very, it's a difficult name, so I hope you can, I hope you can follow it. It's called, how the heck is that COVID teaching going for you? So yeah. I have some questions. Uh, okay. What is your teaching situation as of right now? And is it any different than it would have been if we were living in the, you know, pre-COVID world? I'm sure it is different. Can you tell us a little bit about what you're doing? Yeah. So now in my role with the district, I serve as the elementary music instructional coach. And this is my second year in this role. And in this role, I provide support for teachers when it comes to classroom management, um, instructional ideas, teaching strategies, um, you name it, like conversations I need to have with my administration, give me some ideas. Um, the first teacher booth, working with uh, new teachers and getting awesome. helping them find helping them find their teacher voice. So. Last year, in the first year that I was in this role, I was in classrooms probably four days out of the week. So I would be going to different classrooms, um, doing observations, co-teaching. Like, it was, it was such a joy to see the different modes of music making within the city, right? But then COVID came. <laughs> and COVID in March shifted a lot of that because everybody went home and every everything switched to the virtual format. And so I ended up doing a lot of the, the coaching uh, sessions and talking to teachers virtually through Microsoft Teams. And so that oh, has okay. continued. Um, the first nine weeks of our semester, we continue virtual. And we use Quaver Music as our uh, district curriculum. Okay. And so what we have done is set up our curriculum where everybody is streamlined into working with Quaver. So we went into the Quaver app, we created our lessons, so everybody's teaching the same lesson. But after mm -hmm. that first nine weeks, after fall break, we went back to kind of a hybrid situation. So some teachers are teaching virtually, some teachers are in person. Um, so it's, it's, so it's such an array of situations yeah, that are happening. And so now I find myself, based, I'm mostly virtual. Um, I go into the office two days a week, okay. and I've been providing some professional development opportunities for teachers, um, meeting weekly with them. Um, and it's kind of, I mean, it's not exactly what I signed up for. <laughs> right. but, I but think like everybody point, feels that way in a way. Exactly. So I've been trying to find the joy and the brilliance within this and, and building connections and um, learning a lot on the fly, honestly. Mm -hmm. I always say there's a lot of the on-the-job training with being a music teacher, and sure. this has really ring true in this season. So um, 
I'm still learning. I love Zoom. I can work with Zoom, but Microsoft Teams, I mean, it's <laughs> I it, don't even it know what that huge, is. <laughs> it's a huge learning curve. It's it's really? Microsoft like version of Zoom. And so um it it the buttons, you would think the buttons just kind of transfer and you sure. can just kind of get with it, but it's a nope. whole new system. You share your sound <laughs> differently. Um, it, it, it's, it's a lot to learn. But what I've learned is that teachers, we are so resilient. We find ways to make it work. And um, I'm so proud of the, the teachers that I get to work with on a daily basis because um, you see how much they love their kids. And what they'll do to make sure that music instruction is happening, if it's virtual, if it's in person, if it's outside, if it's in the cafeteria, <laughs> spread out with, you know, rhythm sticks. So it's just all different types of ways that yeah. music is still a part of kids' lives. And um, so that's just kind of what I've done. And for the people that don't know me, I did teach elementary music and uh, middle school general music and choir for the past. 11 years before I got into this role as an instructional coach. Um, right. with, so with, you're, you're a supervisor. You, mm. See, people like to sometimes, say that. Sometimes, sometimes <laughs> I have bad things to say about supervisors, but, but wait, wait, when you're a music teacher, you know, who is a supervisor, I'm going to cut you 99% slack because well, and, I and respect see, the that. Fu- the funny thing is it's like, Yes, I am a supervisor, but really, no, I'm not. I'm still on <laughs> teacher pay. Like, I'm, I'm still, yeah. Wait, what? Yeah, no, yes. why? <laughs> yes. Wait, all so, of the negatives with none of the benefits. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Just so, kidding. I'm sure it's a perfect job and everything's great. <laughs> so I've learned a lot, and I've, I've told people that working with students and working with adults um, was a learning curve for me because- in, in in essence, it's really, you still have to think about the different ways people learn, the way that you may approach a, a situation, a topic. And I know we're going to get into this, but um, just even the teaching material itself and curriculum. And just because it was in a book, Franklin Willis just didn't teach it. It had to have meaning. It had to have substance. I, it had to connect with my kids. So... Um, a lot of teachers, they see it in a book. They're like, oh, it's good. I can teach it, you know, <laughs> right. autopilot. And for yeah. me, I like to research and know, okay, exactly what does this song mean? Where does it come from? Yeah. What's yeah. the background? And um, so, you know, some people will consider me the hip-hop teacher. Um, <laughs> I'm not the hip-hop teacher, but I do utilize hip-hop in the elementary music classroom to build authentic mm-hmm. relationships with kids so that they see my class as a um, place where they feel that they they are seen and that sure. they their their music is important too. So I know we're going to get into that, <laughs> but um, but yeah, that's what the COVID situation has. Um, All right, I find myself in it now. What kind of encouragement do you offer to your teachers? What's the thing you find yourself dealing with most with your teachers, and what are you doing to kind of help them through this time? Well. In the age of social media and, um, you know, these viral videos and the virtual choir videos where principals yeah. see them and they just say, oh, oh. I want our, I want our <laughs> yes. kids to do that. And they don't know mm-hmm. what it took to get that 
you know, video together and all of those pieces, um, I often remind folks, do what you do best. And um, also find one thing that you can work on. Like all of us can't be the tech gurus, right? Yeah, like right. we all can't figure out how to do those cool videos. Right. But, and make something super cute and make it with, like, yeah. you know, like graphics and yeah. But, but, <laughs> but I can reach out to my students and, and let them know that I'm there. And, mm-hmm. you know, I can research music and find songs that will relate to my kids. So it's like, you can't, you can't do everything. And I, I, I challenge and I encourage teachers to, you know, find that one thing that you can add to your belt. And then once you get that in your toolbox and you feel comfortable doing that, then add you another strategy or add another, mm-hmm. you know, pedagogy to your toolbox, your teacher toolbox. So um, that would be my word of advice in this COVID season is finding something and, and it may be something completely foreign to you or different, but giving it a try and seeing what works best for you and your students. Because the other thing is what works best for Missy in Florida may not work for Franklin and his kids here in Nashville. Right. And, right. and that's okay. Like we don't Absolutely. all have carbon copies and doing the exact same thing. Yeah. Um, so I think sometimes we, we, and I'm guilty of it too. You see it on social media and you're like, oh my gosh. <laughs> I want to do the same thing. I want my kids yep. to do this. I want my, I want my students to have that opportunity. But we have to really think about our population, our kids, the, the children we're serving, and what's going to be best for them. And so, just keeping that in mind, I think um, will help teachers kind of find that sweet spot. Yeah, and I think I think that's true all the time, um, and no better time than now because. We're so on the edge. I think I talked to more teachers than ever about you're being you're being too hard on yourself. You know, yeah. show up for those kids. Let them know you love them. You hear them. They're important. Like acknowledge the stress of what's going on without over focusing on it, and have fun with music. Don't kill yourself. I keep doing like I'll see like ooh Jamboard. Oh, I got to do that. You know. And then I'm like taking a webinar and then I'm like, oh, I'm so overwhelmed. <laughs> like, why did I do right, that? Right, right. So that's, I love that, that you're doing that with your teachers. And that's a, that's a blessing for them that they have you there to remind them. So, well, thank you for um, sharing that because I don't know that there's anything more important uh, right now in the profession than helping, you know, sustain teachers from burnout. Um, I saw another thing on Facebook, people saying, what are other jobs I can consider? Um, it's, and I don't mean, I'm not judging. I totally understand that because I was thinking about retirement. Mm. Um, but it breaks my heart to see so many people saying, you know, is there a job I can kind of jump to because this is too much for me? It's too much. And all the time, you know, somebody will write to me and say, I'm a terrible teacher. I'm just showing videos. I'm like, you know what? You're a showing up teacher you got to make it through this pandemic. So thank you for doing that for teachers. I appreciate that. I really love to ask people about how they grew up, what place music had in their lives when they were very young, because that's was my research, you know, when I was doing dissertation work and I'm, you know, I really love talking about like early childhood musical development, that kind of thing. So could you tell me what it was, what it was like growing up in Tennessee 
what music was life in your like in your family life growing up and mm-hmm. how, your path to becoming a music teacher. Wow. So that's, <laughs> that's a lot. That's, that, that's a lot. But um, yes, I'm from Nashville, Tennessee, Music City. Um, Mm -hmm. A lot of people think Music City is because of the country music. But if you know your music history in Nashville, you know about the Fish Jubilee Singers. And they got the name, um, the Music City, from the Queen of England when they were singing their spirituals for them. So uh, that's a little history nugget for those folks that want to go learn a little bit more about the Fish Jubilee Singers is a historical black college here in Nashville. But, oh, wow. So as a, as a young kid, and I've told this story before, um, music was very, very instrumental in my family. So my mom, she is not a music teacher or a musician, but Saturday morning as a kid, you would wake up to, you know, OJ's, Temptations, Stevie Wonder, and we had to clean up. Saturday was a clean up day. And <laughs> wait a second. I'm gonna, wait, wait. Playing. I'm going to call my kids in right now because I need you to talk to them about that. <laughs> because apparently here, Saturday is a video game day. <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh. So you had to and, clean up, but you got great, like, Philly, Motown. Oh, <laughs> yeah. And we would be singing that. And my dad, he was hip-hop. He, You know, he was listening to, you know, Snoop Dogg and... Oh, um, run DMC and and so I was getting all of this music as a kid and then I, you know I had Bible study and um, Wednesday night uh, choir rehearsal youth choir rehearsal and so I was getting gospel music and I was learning music we didn't read music I was learning it by rote um, sure. I sing this you sing this uh uh-uh, uh you didn't match pitch right no, do it again right. and so we got all those experiences and then Sunday mornings every third Sunday or fourth Sunday, we were singing the youth choir. And so that was like my childhood. But then when I went to elementary music, I didn't get to hear any of that music. I didn't get to Hmm. explore any of the music that I would sing at home or at family reunions or at birthday parties. And so I learned at an early age that, oh, my music is not academic or it's not- Right, not valid. it's not valid because we're not learning it at school. We don't get to sing this kind of stuff at school. And so my academic side of music, music was just like, oh, yeah, I go to music class. I like music, right. but I don't it's really okay. get to do what I want to do with the music. So I did, right. uh, you know, general music, elementary. I really don't even remember. I don't remember my music teacher from elementary music. But the first teacher that I remember is Mr. Richardson, who was my fifth grade band teacher and he was an african-american male and i took music class and he put a trumpet in my hand and i learned how to play trumpet in fifth grade and that that experience seeing somebody that looked like me and that i could identify with and who could look at me like hey boy i i know your parents hey i can call i can call them you need to get it together it was like oh wow and then that was the Mm -hmm. first time we got to play he would take cool tunes and like make them um, accessible for us to play. You know, we may have not been playing all the riffs and the runs, but we were playing it um, to the point where we knew what the song was. So that was like my yeah. first experience with, oh my goodness, the music I listened to, right. I playing it in class. And so that I played band, I was in band for fifth and sixth. 
and then changed schools and um, didn't do music seventh and eighth grade. I just sang in a choir church. And then ninth grade year, I auditioned for the choir at National School of the Arts um, with Mr. Michael Graham. And he, I give him a, a lot of the credit of helping me find my voice because my voice had changed. I was a tenor. Yep. My voice has changed and I became a bass baritone. Well, and he took my bass baritone and really worked with me and taught me how to read music and helped me prepare for um, auditions at the university. So really during that three, four year time, I was able to mature and learn about music. And at that time, that's when I said, you know what? I want to be a music teacher. I that's love awesome. this. I love the connection that you get to have. I look forward to rehearsals and performances. And Whoa. we had some of the best <laughs> trips. I mean, he took us all to New Orleans. Trips. He took us to Disney World. And so all of those mm. things um, kind of helped me say, you know what, I want to do this music thing. And then when I got to University of Tennessee at Chattanooga, I had Professor Roland Carter. And if you okay. know that name, he is um, the arranger of Lift Every Voice and Sing, the, oh. the, the, the version that everybody knows. Um, he I don't know the name, but I know the version. Wow. Yes. Um, and he was my theory teacher. He was my okay. sight singing teacher. And then he, oh he, he told me, you're going to be in my choir. And his choir was a choir. It was a community choir. And he taught nothing but African-American music tradition. So spirituals, mm -hmm. gospel music from African-American women composers, men composers, and so it was a deep study of, in, into the history of African-American music, the choral tradition. And so I'm sitting in rehearsals and I'm hearing all of this music that relates to me in such a deep and meaningful way. And it was like, wow, I never knew about this. As much as I love Mr. Graham, we didn't get the opportunity to study that right. in high school. We were doing magicals and Handel and Bach, but... I got to learn about uh, Nathaniel Dett. I got to learn about William Grant Steele, Undine Smith-Moore. All of these people who um, had blazed a, a trail for African-American classical music uh, composers, arrangers, conductors. And so at that moment, it's like, you know what? I'm going to do this. And when I teach music at the elementary level, I'm going to bring my culture into what it is that I do. And so that kids can learn that they come from a rich, historical, rich legacy. And it's not just for the black kids, it's for all the kids to know right. that music um, reaches all cultures. So I know I'm kind of getting very, very long-winded, but that, that's really my journey through, you know, how I became a music teacher. And my mom gave me that love of music from a very, very young age, just by incorporating it into our everyday lives. It's so, I mean, it's so amazing to hear, you know, you became yeah. this professional musician because mm -hmm. your mom demonstrated, I mean, and not like she sat down in the morning going, okay, I'm, you know, OJ's exactly. check. Uh, I'm going to play right. this five Stevie Wonder piece. No, it's exactly. like, I'm playing this music and we're cleaning up the house, you yep. know, and we're bringing joy to that. So I love that. I, I have a question for you yep. that just came to me. Um, mm -hmm. You said that in your undergrad, I think, or high school, mm -hmm. no, high school, you were doing kind of the standard 
uh, what is now standard, rep, you know, mm-hmm. and then you moved on to this deep study of African-American literature. Do you mm-hmm. feel when you're reflecting back, how do you feel about that? Do you think like that was a great progression to go from that to that? Or do you think I wish it was more, you know, mixed? What do you think? I definitely you know think I wish I would have had it earlier. I definitely think um, I wish it was mixed a, a, a little bit more. Definitely a, wait, not a little bit, a lot more into the curriculum. Um, and cause now as a teacher of students, I look at what it is that I brought to the classroom. And if I only share what resonated with me, that's, that does a disservice to my kids. So sure. if I only taught soul music, gospel music, R and B, hip hop, and I left out all of this other rich tradition, all of these other songs, all of these other cultures, that I'm teaching, by the way, I, I think it does a disservice. And I learned early on in my career, um, maybe about year four or five, that it's okay if you don't know everything. Like your kids, like I think only in our minds do we think we have to be a musical expert. We have to know yep. every single thing. And <laughs> we have to cover well, everything. <laughs> yeah, we have to cover everything, and we can't show any insecurities or any like uh, mishaps or missteps or mistakes. But what I learned is when kids see that you make a mistake, they know that it's okay to, to, to try. And so um, I had a student, we were working on an Italian folk song, my Bella Bimba, Donald arrangement. I think Donald Moore, it's a little two part piece. It is, (laughs) it's an ABA. I love that piece. And one of my students raised her hand. She was so excited. She said, Mr. Willis, I heard this song before. My mom, she's from Italy. And I'm like, (laughs) are you serious? And she said, yes. So that day, after rehearsal, in the car riding lane, I asked her mom, I said, would you mind coming to our rehearsal next week? I would love for you to just listen to us. Tell us about your experience growing up. Oh, my word. um, Listen to our diction. And she came in, and that was such a meaningful experience because she was a culture bearer, and she was able to tell us, no, you're saying this wrong, or, hey, put a trill on this. And she was in tears in the classroom while we were having that rehearsal. And that kid, you should have saw the little kid. I was just going to say. She was so excited because her mom was able to share her culture with her classmates and with her teacher. And so it's those type of experiences that I believe that build bridges and not barriers for our children. So So you would go for that more mix. Absolutely. Absolutely. I just feel like I'm going through this like humongous disequilibrium. I was talking to another guest a while back about I had, I came in to my undergrad as this like pop monster like, I loved every kind of, like, pop music, hip-hop music, R&B music, some heavy metal music. Like, I was just, like, and I said I had gone to over 200 live concerts by the time I was, like, 18. Wow. 200. Ridiculous. Like, I won't let my kids go anywhere right now if they ever find out. <laughs> it was, like, <laughs> when I was, like, 13, I was going to see concerts with my friends. And then I got to undergrad. We cut our teeth. It's like a conservatory, you know. This is the Italian art songs. Then we're moving to the Fare. Then we're moving to this. And it was great 
but also I learned this very stilted idea for me now that's mm -hmm. this is how I view mm -hmm. it of this is the real music mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. what I like is the only for fun music yep you know yep. it's like that's all the candy music this is the like meat and vegetables music absolutely and so I appreciate you saying you know what you're saying like you appreciate those things but it needs to be in way more balance and so for me I'm just like thinking like what if I were a high school teacher what if I were mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um because sometimes you hear people say well cut your teeth on the classics and then you could go do whatever you want but yeah. I have been thinking more lately why not give them great music of all sorts That's right. starting when they're young you know yeah. and because of what you say thinking of your student I mean there wasn't a person even me being impacted by the story of what mm -hmm. you just told, mm -hmm. um, you know, you're saying you were impacted, of course, the parent and the student. What about those other students who maybe went home and talked to their parents exactly. and said, like, what kind of music did you listen to? You know, like, I want you to come into my music class. Mm -hmm. So that that was really um, powerful for me. So thank you. Not that it's about me, but it's nice. <laughs> it's nice when I get a little bit of um, extra benefit from listening to a, a master teacher talk um so your career path we we know you're a supervisor not a supervisor and <laughs> who should be paid like a supervisor that i am not on board with whoever <laughs> is in charge um we know where your career is what do you see for your career what would you like to happen what kind of things do you see happening for yourself in the future well when you said earlier in the interview you said um a teacher had posted on facebook or in a group like is there any other place or any other career move i could make well that was me honestly about maybe sure. six six years ago and i was in a a school that i absolutely love but it was a very low performing school high turnover of teachers and administration and i found myself just just tired and, and just like you sure. want to give you want to give all these opportunities and like setting up concerts and after school activities and just doing all of this work but I find myself drained at the end of the day okay. and um, just emotionally drained physically drained and I just started to you know like man I got to do something else the music thing ain't working blah 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 yeah. And one of my mentors was like, you need a new location. You need a change of scenery. You need another place where you can go and start over. And I said, well, okay, I'm going to stick with this. And I went and um, interviewed at a school, had a really good interview, went back to elementary music because I was at middle okay. school, went back to elementary music. And when I went back in that first week of having students, I was like, this is where I'm supposed to be. And Amazing. The, the, the energy, the creativity, just so many things that you can do in the elementary classroom. You don't have to be just choral. You don't have to be just right. fourth. You don't have to be yeah. just Kodai. You can yeah. do it all. And um, so I'm adding movement. We're doing drumming. I got the hand drums. And I'm just having a ball. And at that moment, I realized that that wasn't work. This was just me loving what I do and building kids up and building community through music 
And so now I find myself in this instructional role, working with teachers and working with students. And um, I honestly can say that I miss the classroom so much. I miss, really? I miss seeing that look on a kid's face when they're like, oh, I get it. <laughs> right. I, I, miss, I miss meeting that student at the beginning of the year who is like so nervous to sing out loud. But then at the end of the school year, they're ready to do a solo. That's awesome. <laughs> like, That's a great I miss, feeling. I miss parents coming up to me, you know, saying, you know, Mr. Willis, I had no idea that they love music that much. So those, those things, they mean so, so much to me. So if I had to say I may end up back in a classroom at sure. some point, um, I'm really loving the opportunity. And the other thing about this COVID season has brought the opportunity to um, meet so many teachers across the country because now we're trying to connect and collaborate. Yeah, anything we can do. And so I've been doing a lot of curriculum writing um, and coming up with like new resources in my spare time. Um, I've written a book this year, something that I never thought that I would That's do. That's amazing. Um, so I, I, I don't want to say, hey, I'm going to be in a classroom, but right. it's, uh, I'm learning that music, there's so many opportunities and ways that you can share music education that doesn't have to be in the traditional format in which right. we sometimes think. Um, sure. So I, I'm, I'm just going to keep dreaming and keep sharing and just hoping that the the music that I share, that it connects with, with kids and it connects with teachers and people see a new way of music education. Yeah, you're you're certainly like, I I kind of know this feeling of like, I, when people say, why are you still teaching? You know, why are you still in the classroom? Well, I love the classroom. Trust me, at six o'clock in the morning, I don't love it so much when I have to get up <laughs> and go do it. But like when I walk in, I love it, you know. And I'm not yet at a place where I'm like, I'm done. You know, I don't yeah. want to do this. Um, but I think half of that has to do with the fact that I get to work with teachers. So like I kind of have this duality. And yeah. um, in a few minutes, you and I are going to talk about some of your, you know, extra school uh, activities and endeavors. Yeah. So it seems like you're really like putting out different things to see how they land and it seems like they're all landing pretty well which is a huge blessing and speaking of that celebrity alert i know one person um uh-huh. this is me might be a bit of a flex and name dropping my friend melissa who's a grammy award winner uh for music okay. education um jasmine fripp who i am putting out there in the universe will in the future become a Grammy winner. Amen. Amen. Jasmine. Shout out to Jasmine. And then, yeah, absolutely. (laughs) And then you three time CMA foundation music teacher of excellence three times. Okay. I'm feeling a little bad about myself, but that's okay. You know what I'm going to tell myself? Cause I'm not in Tennessee and I'm not there. That's why (laughs) I didn't get this. (laughs) Can you tell me um, a little bit about this award and, and what, the experience means to you? So the CMA Foundation is a nonprofit leg of the CMA, the Country Music Association. And their mission is to provide music education to all kids in our country and to provide music teachers with resources that will help them um, do the best work that they can do. Um, and so they started this award maybe 
five years ago now. I can't believe it's been that long. Um, but they wanted to find the music teachers who were going over and beyond to, to meet their students at their point of need. And um, it started just here in Nashville um, with a group of teachers. I think it started off with like 20 teachers, 20 or 30 teachers. Um, and they gave us a $2,000 check and then a nice. matching $2,000 grant to our elementary music classroom to do whatever we wanted to do with. That's so if awesome. If you wanted to go get drums, if you wanted to right. go get iPads, whatever that is. And wow. so um, throughout the years, it continues to grow. And um, now they do a national search for uh, teachers. So they do 10 teachers um, in Nashville because we okay. are their like home district. Then they do 10 teachers in the state of Tennessee and then 10 teachers nationally. Um, and the last year I got the award, it just, it was just a blessing because that group of kids, I absolutely adore and love. Aww. I just, I would, they were the best kids ever. I mean, they, you know how we all have those classes. <laughs> yes. I mean, we're not going to tell the kids, but it's, but it's true. I say that it's, now to one of my fourth grade classes. I'm like, you're my favorites. Yes. Don't tell the others. <laughs> yes. You just have those, those classes and those set of kids who just touch you. And um, those kids will forever be in my heart. And, and I, I just i am so thankful for them. But through their, their collaboration and work, um, we were able to create a music video. We did a music video of Champion by Carrie Underwood. Oh, and um and ludicrous and we did like a wait what do you mean wait 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 what uh -oh, do you mean uh -oh. do you mean you were you were in the music video or you mean so you... i'm i'm that music teacher that created projects for kids so they're like mr Woods, we want to shoot a video and i'm like okay, <laughs> okay. let's do it and so the, awesome. song, the the first year we did this is me um uh, from the greatest showman and then the next year we chose the champion by Carrie Underwood. So it was just us, the kids and my two colleagues. Who oh, I thought you choir. meant Carrie Underwood was in the video. But oh, wait, she wasn't. I got, I got, oh, she wasn't oh you're going to tell but me. But wait, but wait. <laughs> and so we shoot this video and I think like maybe a week later, I found out that I got the CMA teacher, music okay. teacher excellent award. And I said, well, y'all, I did this project with my kids. I want y'all to see it. I sent it to the CMA Foundation. Shout out to Tiffany Kearns. She's the executive director for CMA All right. Foundation. And she said, Franklin, OMG, I got to send this to Carrie's team. Like, they got to see this. Whoa. And I'm like, what? She said, yes, it's that good. She sends it to the songwriters that wrote the champion who live here in Nashville. Okay. They freak out. They're like, oh, my God, these kids are amazing. What is, like, how, what, who, where, all of that. They send it to Carrie Underwood. What? And, and she sees it. And basically, that summer for the CMA Fest, they invited the kids to come perform for the concert festival. And the, I knew wow. this was going to happen. I knew that Carrie was going to surprise them at our rehearsal. But I had to But they didn't know. Didn't know. And so um, at the rehearsal, oh, we're doing our thing. We're going through all of our steps and routines. And here comes Carrie Underwood. The kids see her. It sounds like a, a lie, y'all. I promise you this all happened. 
<laughs> um, and I'm just sitting there and I'm just like in a state of shock, in a state of right. happiness. Um, but Carrie came and surprised them and it just, it was, it, it's one of those things that you just dream about, you know? Sure. And she, she shared with them her passion for music and her music teacher. And so they were able to just have that time. They gave her a big group hug. It was a whole, uh, whole, whole situation. Thing. What about Ludacris? Because this is what I need to know. See, Ludacris wasn't there. <laughs> he wasn't there. He didn't show up. We didn't get Ludacris. It, was, it didn't Luda, happen. I'm writing to well. you. Right? So see what you can do. My pull is very powerful with Ludacris, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's amazing. I mean, I want to do a research study on those kids and follow them so if you through go on the years. YouTube and you type in champion, Eagle okay. Honor Choir, you'll see the video that we did. And if you go to CMA Foundation um, right. on YouTube and type in Carrie Underwood Surprises, Students, okay. you'll see the actual footage of the video. And, because um, I'm gonna, I'm going to put that on the page for the um, oh, podcast okay. so people could look at it. I might ask you again for the link, so we'll okay, put it so I'll you can go it check you. it out. And then I'll send that link to Ludacris and be like, "Come on, hey, what's really? up, Luda? I'm just saying, you're gonna let this girl on, just. I mean, what do you have going on? <laughs> Come on, <laughs> in between filming Fast and the Furious '94, he's a movie star now. <laughs> <laughs> but he's like a father now too, and I think he's doing. Have you followed him? He's doing this like music thing. I have to. I'm sorry, it's terrible. Oh, no. I don't know. Uh-uh. There's something about promoting music. For kids, um, maybe I'm making oh. it up, but I'm almost positive because okay. he has these okay. daughters, these young daughters. Yeah. Um, boy, I know a lot about Ludacris. I'm, it's kind come of on, Ludacris. Come on, come oh. on, Ludacris fan. Oh <laughs> uh, well, thank you for sharing that. Um, I will expect a contact from the CMA. I'm sure I'm on their list of if they have like a grumpy middle-aged woman award. Hit me up, CMA. <laughs> a tired music teacher if there's an award for that i'm your girl so <laughs> one one more thing so for no, those go. teachers who are saying music ed is not for you it is for you there is a space for you there's mm-hmm. a voice for you um you, gotta find it. you have to find your unique voice and what it is that you bring to the table because as long as i was trying to emulate some of my favorite music teachers and some of the people that had a huge influence on me I was having a difficult time, but when I broke that shell and I found my teacher voice and I found what connected with my kids, that's when things started to happen for me. And that's when um, even more powerful teaching and learning, not just from the kids, but for myself, I was able to learn from my kids. And when we give our students credit for what they know, they know so much. They bring so much to the classroom. And when we give them the opportunity to speak and we actually listen, powerful things happen. And so that yeah. ostinato that you thought was cool, I guarantee you, if you let your fourth graders come up with their <laughs> ostinato, it's going to be better than yours. Yep. It happens yep. to me all the time. And, yeah, so, and it's theirs. And it's ownership. That's right. They own it. And when they own it, they're so happy to share it and they love it. And so um, so to, to just piggyback, and I didn't want it to no, sound a- very to braggadocious but when you find your when you find your teacher voice 
things start to make sense and it yeah, starts and I to think, work out. And it will, ch- it will change your life. When you find the thing, um, I think it's like finding, finding your life partner, you know, that kind of thing that people say, when you know, you know. And yeah. um, if you're struggling and do, something's not right, something's not right. So you just have to like tweak it, <laughs> you know, try something different, go somewhere different, which is what happened to you. Um, for me, when I started, I didn't want to be a music teacher, but they kind of made me <laughs> because they were like, you got to pick a major. And I remember saying, no way am I going to be a music teacher. I have no desire to do that. And I'm not kidding you. Two hours into the first day, I was like, this is it forever. I'm not doing anything else. And here's you like thinking, I got to get out of this biz. Like Mm -hmm. this is not for me. And somebody helped you. And now you're going to help teachers who are in the same situation. Even teachers listening right now are probably like, holy cow, that's me. (laughs) I think that's a powerful motivator, especially right now. But I I do want to talk to you about a very specific subset of students. You have a young son. Am I right? Oh, yes. Two-year-old. Getting ready to turn three, December 11th. Hello, toddlers. (laughs) Um, I'm a fan of toddlers. Uh, My favorite toddlers are those who belong to other people. Um, I find them infinitely more charming and funny (laughs) when I get to say, okay, bye now. Thank you. So you have a son. Um, How has being a father changed you as a teacher, um, in your philosophy, in your pedagogy? um, And what are your hopes for him? Uh, Like in school as his kind of school experience and as a student what do you kind of hope to see happen for him wow um as an african-american man this year in general has changed a lot for me um in my perspective as not only an educator but as a dad but um i'll answer your question first and then i'll get into that piece of yeah it. let's hear it um um but edward is his name he has just a love and a joy for music. It is just, um, it is, it's something that it, you cut on some music and his little body just to get some moving and he <laughs> yeah, just gets smiling. And so um, wh- what I learned by becoming a dad is people are giving, they're bringing their best to you, right? They're bringing their children to you. That is their best. Now, yep. their best may look completely different than what you consider to be good, to be wonderful. Right. But when people send their kids to school, they're sending their treasures. They're sending their yep. world. They're sending um, such a, mm-hmm. a rich commodity to you. And we are invested to make sure that we develop and, and build that kid up. So yeah. about two, what was it? He, two, 2017. When I had, when my wife had him and we brought him home and you go to you go back to work, I just looked at those kids like, man, y'all are somebody's babies. Like yeah, you're somebody's isn't that crazy. World. You're and somebody's Edward. <laughs> yes. And so, how dare I not try to give you my best? Not try to build you up? Not try to hold you account- accountable and challenge you? Because I want that same energy to be given to my son. I want you to hold him accountable. I want you to treat him fairly. I want you to see the good in him. 
And I think sometimes as educators, we get so wrapped into um, finding out who's the best, who's the most talented, who's this, instead of just trying to build up the brilliance in each kid. And it is our job to find that brilliance in every single student. Everybody has something in our, every student in our classroom has something unique about them. And it is our duty to find that. Is it hard? Absolutely. Yes, it is. <laughs> Especially as elementary music teachers, because we see every kid in the building. Yes. But that's what's so fun and unique about it and right. magical about it, because you can tap into something in that kid that nobody else can. And so um, it, it changed me and it, it, it helped me to understand that I have such an important role in making sure that I give my best to my students and that I see the best in my students. And so then specifically this year um, with uh, police brutality, um, specifically the killing of George Floyd, it, um, I, I, one of my good, good buddies, she told me after a conversation, she said, Franklin, you're grieving. Like you're in, uh, you're in a state of grief right now. And, until she said that, I didn't know what it was, but George Floyd was my dad, was my brother. George right. Floyd was a friend. George Floyd could been could be me. You at the right place, at the right at the wrong place, the wrong time. And so yeah. the realization of that, you know, you put it behind you, you try not to think about it. Um, you know, hey, I got a degree, I got this. None of that matters in those seconds and those moments when you're viewed as a criminal or you're viewed as somebody who is threatening. And so then I I just immediately thought about my son. Like, how do I teach him, you know, about this? When do I have the talk with him? How, how should I have that talk? So all of those things have been rumbling in my mind and in my spirit for this, I mean, the past five, six months. So it's really heavy. And it's really, it's, it can really be really dark, but I choose to choose, I choose to find the joy in the situation. Um, and I thank my wife for that. And, and I thank my parents for that. Cause they never did tell me, you know, they did teach me that there's certain things you can't do that other people can do. And I quite didn't understand that. Sure. But they sure. never taught me through fear. They taught me through faith. And so that is my duty to teach my son Edward the realities of the world I'm not going to hide it from him right I'm not going to um, teach him to be fearful or afraid because um, he has a beautiful life and in my book Edward's Rhythm Sticks I I tell him um, in that book and that turned into just something for him when he wakes up (laughs) when he gets older I should say to be able to say my dad wrote a book about me I I just that, that just I get goosebumps thinking about it, but in the book, I say you're important, you're special, and your life matters, no matter what. And I think as educators, we have such a pivotal job and role. And, and sometimes it can get so heavy that we we um, that we make it impossible to do, but it is it's so possible to just give love, to give hope to teach empathy, all of these things that we are hoping that we see in the world, we are on the front lines of that. And so when we think about, you know, 10 years from now, 
those second graders, those third graders, those things we teach them, they will remember those things. Right. They will, and and I'll say this, I'm, I'm getting very, very emotional. No, but, it's good, yeah. Um, I'm getting very emotional, but I think about my students that I had at my previous school who had never had an African-American male teacher ever in their lives, right. whose parents did not have to interact with an African-American male um, in the education setting. And right. uh, my wife told me, you should be proud of that because now they see yeah. another another way. They see another example. All black folks think the same, right? Right. All, nobody's the same. We all have voices. We all have unique character. And so um, it, 2020 mm-hmm. is a year of, as I've been telling folks, I've been unlearning a lot of things. I've been, I've been really digging into um, my philosophy on education and how can I reach and teach students. And so when we begin to dig into our biases and we start to figure out, you know, ooh, when that kid came in the room, something in yeah. me changed. What was the trigger to that? What, was, what is really behind that? And those are the questions that we don't want to answer and we don't want to right. talk about. Yep. And I think we have to be willing to face, to confront it. I think that's, for my experience with white teachers, when I'm debating this kind of idea, there's this like immediate defensiveness, um, which I understand, but no longer tolerate (laughs) as much because I say human life is on the line here Mm -hmm. and we don't have we need to get past our ability, our privilege to kind of shut our eyes to something instead. And turn our eyes and turn our confront it. Yeah. And we've and, got and to it's confront not pretty. it. It's not no. pretty. And it's, it's no. not going to be fun, but what will come from it will be a learned experience where you can grow. And yeah. for some of us, it's just so hard to tell the truth for ourselves yeah. and about ourselves. It is extremely hard. It is extremely hard. But once we do that work, (laughs) once we do that work, you will be able to see through a new lens. Yeah, and and you become um, the truth teller too, right? You become the person who helps other people see the need to do it, fight past the fear, right? Faith over fear, right? Faith over fear. And confront it. And like, even you like being this super agent of change for your students um, and for other teachers is, you know, you're impacting thousands of human lives by doing that. And I think, I wish that we as a profession could kind of think more that way instead of, why are you accusing me of that? Why are you, like, why are you accusing me? Instead, why can't we just say, you're right, it's there and it's ugly and I hate it. Um, I remember um, it was an open house my first year at the school I served at last. And a parent, you know how the parents, they line up, they want to meet mm-hmm. you. <laughs> and um, the parent asked me, you know, where did you get your degree from? And how long have you been teaching? And, um, you know, did you, go through, did you go through the proper interview process? And I mean, asking oh, me all okay. these questions, and, and, and now I realize what that was. What, like, what was happening? It, it, yeah. At the time, I'm just like, man, I'm just this young teacher. I just want to teach kids. I just want to have fun right. with the children. Um, but that was a racist mindset. And I, after that open house, I asked my principal at the time, I said, have y'all ever had a black man teach 
here. Right. And she said, Franklin, I don't know. So she she literally did not know. And so then that's when my like, oh, that's ah, what it's making this sense. Is. And so, um, but I, I'm so thankful for that experience because I was able to like be in some situations where I was a voice for many students of color, um, for black and brown kids in that in that building who um, had got a bad rap. Maybe you did one thing wrong, and then right. you were you You're know labeled. Scapegoat. You were labeled, and we treat our children, our, our young children, like they're adults. Like they can't oh, make gosh. mistakes, they can't mess up. So um, I was I was happy to to step in, and I had to learn how to use my voice for yeah. change and to speak up, and how to speak up, and when to speak up. So all of those things, um, and nobody taught me that in a music ed class, undergrad class, right? Which is something like, that must change. Yeah, like I didn't get any of that. <laughs> like you just learned so, it on your own. Yeah, on-the-job training. And so it's one of those things. 2020 has been a year. It has truly been a year of um, discovery, self-discovery, social, just the social aspect of it, learning more about my country, where I grew up, what I was taught, what I thought, what I knew was, like, true versus what it actually was. So right. it's it's a lot of that going on, and um, and I'm I'm allowing people to have grace, right? So yeah. everybody's not going to be on the same wavelength as you, yeah. right? They're not going to want to learn. They're not going to want to unlearn. I can't do the work for you, and that's another right. piece that I had to mm-hmm. accept. I can give you all the resources. You know, I can host a webinar on hip hop in the elementary point, music class. Point you to the right thing. Yeah, I can give you all yeah. that, but until you dig down and do the work for yourself, it, it means absolutely nothing. So, um, I'm seeing like go teach a college course somewhere. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean it. Like we need, we need people to go in and like duke this out and say. This this shouldn't be something that we're fighting about. This should be something that we're side by side on moving forward. Like we're just wasting time. Um, I just said this on the Fire Robin Fundamentals page. I know it ticks many people off, but to be quite honest, I just don't care anymore. We're not debating anymore if we Mm. need to take racist music out. We Mm. are taking it out. The end. So if you, you know, I always say we have archived conversations, but this mm-hmm. is no longer a place where we're like, should we take out racist music or should we mm. leave it in for historical purposes? No. And so I would love to see you going out there and just putting it out there. Any college people Hey, listening. you can put it out in the universe. I, hey. I, I'm just, what I say? For Jasmine, Grammy. Hey. For you, Professor Willis. So... Hey. I receive every word. Well, and this this reminds me of, you know, one of my questions um, and something I'm asking lots of guests this season. I wonder if you would be willing to share what you think our particular profession's uh, biggest hurdles are in this department. Maybe we covered it and what we've talked about. When um, it comes to racism and all, you know. 
Well, I think with Music Ed, there is such a big group of folks who are traditional. And when I say traditional, I mean what's on the repertoire list from <laughs> 1995, mm-hmm. uh, ACDA, Children's Choirs. We got to pull back those goodies and do it again. Like, keep it on a loop. Traditional in the sense of, you know, where'd you get that resource? Is, this, is there sheet music to that? Um, right. And if, if, if it's not sheet music, then it's not valid. And I think um, when we think about how do we move forward, I think it's allowing different voices from different communities an uh, opportunity to speak and share. And so I've been seeing a lot of organizations um, across the country who are giving people of color, black folks, indigenous folks, um, they're giving they're giving us an opportunity to share our expertise. And what they're finding is, oh my God, I never knew that. I didn't know that song. I didn't know that piece. And it's like, well, you wouldn't because you've never given us an opportunity. Like, or you, you, you only allow us to come speak on diversity issues. You don't right, let us come right. and share our musical abilities. You don't yeah, let us come. Our and, passions, right? Yes. And so I think allowing that to, giving us space to share those, and then not centering only white traditions or white ways to do music ed. And yeah. um, I hate to say it just so bluntly, but, Giving, no, say it bluntly. <laughs> you know, it, it's just it's just the it's the opportunity to hear from different people in a different way, and um, I think we're growing. I think it's trending in the right way. We definitely have way more work to do, um, and 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 this way of being just politically correct, like mm. it, it it just it, it bugs me. Every webinar. I've done, I get the question of, can white folks teach spirituals? And it, it's it's like a gaslighting, it's like a gotcha question, like, can I get a hot take on what Franklin's going to say? And right, if he right. says what I need him to say, then I'm going to bring his name up and say, well, Franklin said that I can right. teach spirituals. And, then, and you're speaking and, for all black, you know, yeah, I'm uh, speaking choral for all teachers. Black folks. <laughs> And, and so then I got my black colleagues calling me like, right, go on. why'd you say that? that? <laughs> and so, so it's just one of those things that I think we have to find that middle ground where we, uh, well, it's not middle ground for some, we have to give space for others and um, stop trying to be um, just black and white. Stop trying to be one plus one equals two. Like, how come it can't be four minus two to get to two? How come it can't be, right. you know what I'm saying? Like, yep. how come we can't find different combinations to get to the goals in, in which we are striving to get to? If our goal is that it's music education for all, then that means it can be music education through rhythm sticks. We're reading rhythms. It can be music education through movement and body percussion. And so it's different ways to imagine what music education is. And I think once we get out of our head, and I had to do it too, because I wanted, when I got out of college, I wanted to have the best elementary music or ensemble that did all of the movement and all of these things. But I was emulating what I saw other folks do. And when I said, you know what, Uh uh-uh, 
my kids are looking at me like, Mr. Withers, okay, no, we're not doing this. I'll do off, but I'll do it in my way. And I had to listen to my kids. And so um, it takes a lot of uh, faith. It takes a lot of courage to do that because at the beginning of my career, folks, uh, he's doing that hip hop stuff. Oh, he's doing that bebop stuff. But then when I put a, a video on Facebook and people see it and they love it, then it was like, wait a minute, I want my kids right. to do like that. <laughs> yeah. And so it's like, well, wait a minute. When I was right. trying to brainstorm with you with this right. critiquing me had, in one side and praising me on the other. Yeah. Absolutely. I think I I love what you said about um why can't four minus two equal two? But I love the idea of <laughs> like breaking out and I just can't believe I'm 52. Am I 52 or 53? So the kids are telling me the other day. They're like, Mom, you're 52. I'm like, no, I'm 53. You know, why am I just learning this now? Um, I'm so excited for the young teachers. Um, gosh, yeah. I feel old saying that. But, like, that they hear somebody like you saying these things. Like, I'm not, you know, we hear, we're hearing this a lot, but it's a, it's a very valid thing. Nobody speaks for everybody, you know, like I'm half Filipino. I don't speak for all Filipino women, you know, I'm making mistakes. You know, you don't speak for every black music educator. Um, but what you say has validity. It's the same thing we're trying to say about our kids. You know, I'm not going to say that kid is black and all black kids are like him in fourth grade. Right. And yet we kind of are always doing this to each other. It's more like, don't be so afraid. Just listen. Listen to what and um, Franklin says. I can't but, stress the importance of awareness and education. Like, yeah. I think we think we get our degree and we go to a couple <laughs> of PDs with some good and names we're good. and we're good. <laughs> Meanwhile, we want our kids to learn each and every day. So I think as educators, we have to practice what we preach. We have to continue to educate ourselves and Maybe you don't know what the term anti-racism means or you don't right. know what allyship is. You, it's on you to, to educate yourself and to find out how can you be anti-racist in your instruction? How can you right. identify those hidden biases that you didn't even know exist and, and, and that you can't identify because you were raised in a certain region or in a certain time frame that you can't connect with kids who may be coming from a different neighborhood or situation. Um, So I think all of that is so key, is so important right now as we pivot into 2021, because um, there will come a time, I'm gonna speak into existence, where we will go back into the classroom. And that's crazy talk, Franklin. We're always (laughs) gonna be virtual. (laughs) You know, uh, I said back in March, I'm like, oh, we'll be back in school. Yeah, that's what I was saying. Just a few months. Don't worry. Probably September for sure. Yeah. And here we are in November. And so, you know, how much have we learned in that time and that space? Like, who are we now as music educators? And so that's the question for me is what do we do now? Like, if you miss the opportunity or if there's a situation that happened in your classroom and you wish you could go back and do it over again, we all have those situations. Now you have opportunity to change that. You have an opportunity to right that wrong. Maybe you can't write it because it happened five, ten years ago, 
but now you've been educated. Maybe that song that you didn't know, because I've taught those same racist songs because they were taught to me in undergrad. Of course. So once course. I find, once you find better, you do better. And right. that why is, is that so hard to understand? <laughs> that's why? Why is it so hard? Can you tell me? Because I can't figure this out for the, for the love. Why is it so hard to understand? If you learned something was wrong and you were doing it wrong, you didn't know you were doing it wrong. Now you, you know what you're doing. So just stop doing it. Stop fighting about, you know, I need this song in my, you know, this song will, without this song, my children will never become music. It's so preposterous. Like there's so many things you could do. I know my listeners are like, okay, Missy, but I don't care. I'm going to keep saying that because it's true. Once you know, the question is now that, you know, the obligation is what do you do with that knowledge? That's it. That's it. And I am, I'm not going to lie. I'm kind of, and I don't want to be a hypocrite. There are plenty of areas in my life where I do this same thing. I don't want to look at the ugly things. Um, it's easier for me to point somewhere else than to look Absolutely. and reflect. But you can only use that excuse for so long. And I just feel like we're doing violence to our students um, emotionally and mentally and down the line if we're not willing. But what a great model you can be if you're like, guys, I had no idea. This is, I keep telling this story, chicken on a fence post. My students were like, how come we're not going to play? I'm like, I'm going to tell you guys something. Um, and I don't want you to feel bad because... I'm going to tell you about this song, which I don't usually do because you're young. But they were fourth graders, you know. I just said, when you find something, it's hard to admit that you were wrong. I think we feel guilty. We feel ashamed. Um, but we don't need to live in shame. We don't need to wallow in it. We just need to, like, feel it, acknowledge it, mourn it, go. <laughs> you know, I, I would love to talk to you. Um, about something that I'm just like kind of amazed at. Here's what I think when I look at your amazing social media presence. First of all, you're super positive. You're not like me. I'm like, I hate it. <laughs> I'm tired. <laughs> I am like keeping it real and keeping it negative. So you are like positive. You're not like Sally Sunshine, you know, not genuine. You're genuinely a positive person. You have lots of people who are following you. You have great things to say. And you're like, am I wrong? Are you like making t-shirts and writing books and having yeah. seminars? I'm like, I don't get to say this. I'm somebody else like, how do you do it? So first of all, what I'm trying to say is I want to have you back so we can talk more about this idea of teacher entrepreneur. Yes. Is that like a thing? Did I make that up? Or yes. that's a thing, isn't it? No, that's, that's, the, that's the thing. But I want to talk to you about something that I'm so impressed with. First of all, I'm bummed out that I missed this stick routine thing. Because I'm almost, like, stick routine. Oh. <laughs> I, you got to do more of that. Because I, I don't know how to explain this. I love to dance. I love to move. And I love hitting things together. So I saw your thing. You were, mm -hmm. like, dabbing. And I was, mm -hmm. like, calling my kids in. I'm like, get in here. We're doing this. Oh, so, Lord. But that was... <laughs> Amazing. So first of all, I hope you do that again. But all this to say, I want you to come back on again, if you would talk more about how you do this, because I bet people me, I could never do it. I could never be like, I have an idea for a t-shirt. No, I love to buy the t-shirts. You know, I'll yeah. get that. I want to talk about that. 
at another time. But you know what I want to talk about? Let's talk about Edward's rhythm sticks. Because okay. that's like a whole thing you got going on. So we're going to end this with you telling me, if you would, how you came up with this. Why? How do people use it? Because I bought the whole kit in Caboodle, right? Like mm -hmm. it's a book, mm -hmm. a teacher's guide, right? Uh, free interview with Franklin. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a book and a teacher's guide. Is it just a book and a teacher's guide? Or is there another book, like a flip? There's, there's, there's an audio book that comes like a track that has the, right. the the book with the characters and all that. And then the flip book um, okay. that you can use digitally. That's kind of how I did it. And then the teacher's guide. All right. Well, tell me about this. Yeah project particularly because i really like it and i want lots of people to go out and get it well the funny thing is i came up with the idea last october um literally riding in my car picked up my phone i do this a lot picked up my phone went to voice memos and i said edward's rhythm sticks and i said something about he clicked them up high he clicked them down low he clicked click clicked wherever he go and then i just made up a real quick story about how he right got this gift from my his grandma he he doesn't have a grandma but he has a grandma. <laughs> oh boy the grandma <laughs> the grandma and poppy um about how they got him these rhythm sticks and i sent the the the, the voice memo to my wife and she just laughed there like you're crazy right <laughs> and so that was october then COVID. who's came. laughing now huh who's laughing now right. so COVID <laughs> came and um we would have music time during the day because I would be here working from home and I just grabbed those rhythm sticks. And once I gave him those rhythm sticks, my son just went, he was banging on the wall. He was just banging everywhere. Oh boy. And so um, <laughs> I just came up with the track and was playing it and he just kept clicking. And so I kind of came up with the chant. He clicked them up high, boom, boom. He clicked them down low. <clears throat> he clicked, click, click, wherever he goes. And so he would start requesting, like, dad, dad, dad. He can't <laughs> say many words, but he knows dad and he knows mom. Right. And so um, I said, babe, to my wife, what, what if I, what if we wrote a book? Like, what if I put that together and wrote a book? She said, you should do it. And literally, maybe three or four days later, I had the story. Um, just wow. about the, the Edwards Rhythm Station and how he, the found sounds, of course, because we were at home and um family because we couldn't see anybody else <laughs> during right. that time because yeah. we were in quarantine and so it was just it's a story about how music really isn't is in everything we do um and how music is everywhere and so the story follows my son um with his rhythm sticks to school he shows his new gift with his friends he uh takes them to church and there's the choir singing he's playing his rhythm sticks then we go right. to the barbershop, so and the barbershop, all the old men are looking at him like, boy, put them sticks down, <laughs> you know? And and so it's really about community, and he left, I'll tell the story, he left the rhythm sticks at the barbershop, got home, woke up from a nap, realized uh -oh. he not have his rhythm sticks. He loses a fit. He, mom, I can't find my rhythm sticks. And my wife is like, hey, let's go outside. Let's get some fresh air. And when we go outside to get some fresh air, he looks up, he sees the branch, he tears off that mm -hmm. branch and starts clicking those sticks. And my That's wife awesome. says, son, 
Edward, what are you doing? He's like, Mom, I'm making music. Music is everywhere. And right. so um, it's, it's just a fun story. And how I hope kids, first of all, I did it for my son because I want him to be able to see himself in curriculum. And then the other piece That's of it amazing. is, the other piece Flapping of it is, I can't complain about curriculum and not do anything about it. Like, I can't say we need more diverse literature. We right. need, so this was my answer to how do I make music without having instruments? How do I make right. that happen? And so uh, it's really been such a rich blessing not, just to see how so many teachers have connected with this book. Um, and, you know, when you talked about the teacherpreneur, entrepreneur thing, it's one of those things we're taught as teachers that we're supposed to give away all our talent. Right, for free. Everybody's, everybody's supposed to benefit off of us except for us. And I thought about all those times I stayed after school at rehearsals and all those times where, Mr. Willis, can you make a track for the school song? Can you do this? Right. And so okay. um, initially, Teachers Pay Teachers was my only, you know, outside, you know, way of making additional money. But then I started following some great music teachers on Instagram and I started seeing that like, oh, I can I can share all of the ideas that I have with other music teachers. Like I can right. use social media as a way to connect with other music educators and share best practices, share ideas that I have, bounce ideas off. And everybody loves a good T-shirt with a good message, uh, and right, and so for sure. so it it just it's very natural. It just kind of bursts. Um, but Edwards Rhythm Sticks is uh, I'm really happy about that, and I'm hoping to have some hardback. I'm sorry, softback copies um, in the next couple of weeks because oh, that's great. I was like, going to ask about that. My mom's like, I love the digital, but I'm old school. I want a book. Yeah, I, people love a book. <laughs> I love a book. No, so where can people get that? So right now it's um, for digital download with F Flat Books, which is a music education publishing company strictly for music educators who want to be authors. So if you are interested in looking into being an author on their um, platform, they're on, they're on Instagram and Facebook at F Flat Books. Um, Dr. Sarah Goulish, and she's up in Philadelphia teaching up there, fabulous hey, musician um, and teacher. And I'm so thankful for her because she said, Franklin, oh, my God, teachers got to have this. And I was being yeah. so self-conscious about it. And she's like, no, right, right. we're doing this. So if you no, go to it's F so Flat fun. Books, if you go to fflatbooks.com, you can get it there. And hopefully by Thanksgiving, you can get a physical copy on my website at fwillismusic.com. Okay. Yeah, I'm going to try to, um, I feel like so legit when I say something this like this, like I'm going to put this on the web page, our, uh, you know, podcast web page, but I'm literally like writing notes like TPT store, the F-flat book. So I'm going to get a whole <laughs> list of this stuff. Not that you need any help because your, you know, your voice is. Oh, all um, help is, is definitely great. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why I said you don't know. Everybody needs some help, but you're doing well. But let's make you do weller, as they Amen. say. Um, and and, gonna, and do you have any? Do you have any plans for more books, or was that like a one-off? Like, no, I'm actually writing another one right now, and it's going to be for all music teachers. So 
It's going to be Is really, it really good one. My Time with Missy? Because I think that'll be sell like hotcakes. Like you probably sell at least two of those. One to me and one to my dad. <laughs> look, look, we might need to collaborate and make that happen. Um, thank you for all you've done, all you're doing. I'm really looking forward to like these next creative endeavors that you'll be doing. I had a blast talking to you. Well, thank you for having me on the podcast. It has truly been a great experience sharing with you. And um, I hope uh, folks can walk away with at least one thing, action item. Thank you so much. (laughs) Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Until you dig down and do the work for yourself, it means absolutely nothing. Wow. That quote from Franklin jolted me awake, and I hope it does for lots of educators because the time is now to start making change, and that change can't really begin until we acknowledge that the problems exist and that we have to be an active part of the solution. Thank you again to Franklin for showing us this need for change. I hope you enjoyed listening to Franklin as much as I did learning from him, And I can't wait to have him back again because he has a ton to teach us. If you heard The Secret Code, which was the silly title I suggested for Franklin's next book, and you'd like a chance to receive a free digital copy of Edward's Rhythm Sticks, courtesy of Franklin and F-flat Books, send that secret code to me in an email to musicedwithmissy at gmail.com, or you can DM me at the Music Ed with Missy Facebook page, or on Instagram at MusicEdWithMissy, or on Twitter at DocStrong26. And listen, if you're really eager, send a screenshot showing that you've subscribed to the podcast and or rated it whenever you listen for an extra entry. You can find information about Franklin and some of the things we discussed on the episode page at bit.ly slash musicedamplified. So bit.ly slash musicedamplified. The awesome theme music for the Music Ed Amplified podcast was composed and performed by my wonderful husband, Jeremy Strong, who also helps produce the podcast, and by my wonderful and often annoying second-born son, Owen Strong, who made that bass line sing. Can I ask you a favor? Would you be willing to subscribe and rate the podcast wherever you listen and maybe even share it with others? This is the best way to get these important discussions out to more people so we can help make real change in the profession. So I would really appreciate that help. As always, thanks for spending time with me. I hope that you've been encouraged, challenged, supported, and inspired, and that you are motivated to reflect on your philosophy and practice. I'll see you next time. But until then, keep doing all you can to create a more musical, thoughtful, and just world for your students, their families, and the community. Music.